Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And good afternoon and welcome to LSU Tailgate Saturday here as the LSU Tigers take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. A 638 kickoff tonight in Death Valley as the Tigers begin a stretch now that uh, will determine their fate as how successful this 2016 season has had so many twists. And I guess you'd say interesting moments. Got a little more interesting last week into this week. Now maybe things can settle down as the Tigers entertain the Golden Eagles tonight. Coming up, T-Bob Abe gives you his breakdown on today's matchup. O-line, D-line, and his, of course, we always close out with T-Bob's pick on tonight's game where LSU opened up as an 18-point favorite. That has since climbed up to 27 points where the Bayou Bengals are a favorite this evening. We'll take a look inside the SEC at today's big matchups, including a scoreless, excuse me, a low-scoring struggle between the Hedges right now between Georgia and Vanderbilt and the big one, the SEC CBS game of the week, number one, Alabama at number nine, Tennessee. All that's coming up. Plus, we'll get your take on Louisiana in-state football coverage as far as the boot report with Jordan Fiegel that is coming up after our first break. And also coming up, we have our guests that entertain us each and every week to give us the take on what is happening as far as recruiting. Mike Scarborough of TigerBay.com will be with us to give us the latest on recruiting and who is climbing the ranks and, of course, a couple of young uh, guys being offered. And we'll get T-Bob's take on that now. That seems to be the norm now and how offering at a young age could probably benefit and will start to benefit more of, I think, the young players from a standpoint the way the pressure is on them offered at a young age to keep their grades up and the schools too as well. So we'll take a look at that. That has become the new norm in college football. Rihanna Pokey will be with us, Tennessee football beat writer at the Knoxville News Sentinel to give us a live look in in Neyland Stadium today where 100,000 plus will be packed inside to see number nine Tennessee try to break their nine-game losing streak to the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. They snapped an 11-game losing streak several weeks ago to Florida. We'll see if they can do the same. Plus, LSU's opponent, surprising opponent on Saturday November 19th in Death Valley, Florida is uh, entertaining Missouri today. Thomas Goldcamp, Florida Gators beat report will give us a take on the Gators and his take on what things are like in Gainesville after about uh, seven days, so one more than that, more like ten days of LSU, Florida going back and forth seemingly was settled. Ole Miss is at a big one today. Two of LSU's future opponents, including the Tigers' next opponent, Ole Miss, is at Arkansas this afternoon. Jeff Palermo will join us too as well on the program and also we'll have Jason Muntz. He's a Southern Miss beat writer for the Hattiesburg American News. Well, T-Bob, we have to start off uh, this afternoon talking, obviously, about uh, where we got a surprise last week that LSU would not be playing Florida, and LSU now is going to play Florida on November 19th, and this kind of thing has gone back and forth and back and forth, and seemingly now there seems to be a a kind of a national perspective, T-Bob, is that uh, LSU is being painted out to be a certain way, and I think if you break this entire situation down, the thing, the end result, is what LSU proposed to Florida from the get-go. And, I mean, if you yeah. look at this fair and balanced, ba- basically LSU proposed to Florida, let's play the game in Baton Rouge last week. 
So now what you do is you wind up playing the game in November, and it really puts both teams at a disadvantage because it's at a much tougher time of the year. LSU has a short week after that to play at A&M. Florida, they have to play Florida State that Thanksgiving weekend. So it's tougher on both of them for what they have coming off of the back end. But what I don't understand, T-Bob, is that for the same reason that Florida didn't want this game moved, LSU didn't want to lose a home game. Florida didn't want to lose a home game. So if the end result was going to be playing the game in Baton Rouge, then this game could have been played last week. It would have been easier for both of them. And, and you know, as much as I believe you have to be fair and balanced, and, look, I think we've all been kind of had our own opinions about many things, and I've been critical of Joe Lever. I'm sticking with Joe Lever on this one. He stood by his guns, and he said Monday, regardless of how you want to say it, LSU will play at home on November the 19th. Whether somebody wants to say drawing the line in the sand, they can say what they want. It was no different than when Jeremy Foley said, our goal is to play the game. We are playing in Florida, not in Alabama, not outside of Florida, in Gainesville, Florida. He said that's where we want to play this game. Well, you know what? He stood by his guns. LSU stood by their guns. And on this one, I support Joe Lee. And I think, I think he picked up a lot of support from the Tiger fan base the way he handled this team by the last 10 days. Yeah, look, and, and there's a lot of LSU fans who are uh, still upset and they're talking about how it's unfair and it's not right. Look, on the whole, uh, both of these schools, they each end up losing one home game, right? I mean, Florida lost two this season. They gain one next season when LSU travels to Gainesville as opposed to having that game at Baton Rouge. So it's a net loss of one home game for each school. So it's even in that regard. Where LSU fans get frustrated is that they feel like this all could have been avoided. Uh, Had uh, Jeremy Foley been uh, more – if he had been more open to ideas the week of the actual game itself – I look, I, I understand, and, and I think that you're, you're technically correct. Like, th- this could have been avoided, but at this point, I'm so sick of talking about it. There's finally been some resolution here. Let's not be petty, let's move on. It, 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 bo- both schools end up losing a bit, but uh, it, it's not as bad as it could have been. And now you got a really exciting game coming up in November, and just a really. Yep. Uh, just a, a hell of a November, dude. A November that is so intimidating, so tough, so and it has so much risk that it also comes with great reward and great potential. I described it this week, Deke. It kind of feels like we are. Uh, it kind of feels like we're on a roller coaster right now. And this is the point in the ride when you first get on, you strap in, and you're climbing up that mountain. You're climbing up the mountain. The Southern Miss game kind of still climbing up that first drop, and then once you hit Ole Miss, I mean. Drop the hammer, cold trickle. It's time to roll from then on. It's nothing but tough opponents week in and week out. It's uh, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And as tough it is, is why I say it comes with great potential. Because if you win, if you manage to navigate the minefield, if you do really well in that November, you become legendary. You become a team that people talk about forever that kind of rose from the ashes like a phoenix after such a negative beginning to 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 ride on to this epic finish so i i cannot wait just as a football fan for uh the month of november now as far as last thing i'll say on the florida game as far as uh it was interesting you pointed out look the game ended up in baton rouge anyway so why not have the game there originally the reason why this game ended up happening and being rescheduled is because of the commissioner rule that Greg Sankey put into play, where all of a sudden, this was not in the SEC rules before, at least 
Nobody I knew had found it or talked about it. Where all of a sudden, if you don't play a full eight-game SEC schedule, you are ineligible for the championship. So it brought Florida back to the negotiating table. It provided incentive for both schools to come together. They hammered out a deal. Who hey, Look, every what's the old saying with compromise? It's a good compromise if both sides go home a little upset, like something along those lines. Well, that's what you have here. So it's over. It's done with. The month of November is going to be epic. And then tonight... We finally got some football back, man. Yeah, and you know, T-Bob, the way it's set up, like you said, as we roll the break, we'll come back and get to Mike Scarborough, is that regardless of the way this shake, thing shakes out, down the stretch of the season, LSU, four of their five remaining games will come against teams that after the day you'll find out. But the way things are set up, unless Florida faults, you will have four of the five teams, probably top 12, or greater when you think about whoever wins Ole Miss and Arkansas today will be around in that number. Then you have uh, Alabama. Then you have uh, Arkansas. Yeah. Then you have Florida. And then you yeah. have Texas A&M. So it, it's an incredible stretch. But oh. let me tell you, it turned out to be one of the best home schedules, T-Bob, that LSU's had in quite some time. Hey, and that's where this is a win for, uh, for, the this is a win for Oliva, the fans, and really the Baton Rouge economy. We, yep. that was, and they needed it. That was much discussed after the flooding, which tore apart so many businesses really ripped the bottom off of an economy that didn't need that sort of negative impact having not just a home game on november 19th but having the florida gators on november 19th especially if both teams are still winning like it's it's going to be a huge economic boom uh boon i should say to uh to to local areas so that's good it's good two uh, thumbs up very excited all right, coming back, we'll get to Mike Scarborough at TigerBait.com. Plus, your take, uh, your, your your thoughts on how Joe Lieber handled the whole Florida situation. T-Bob and I give him high-flying colors. As, uh, if you're an LSU fan, you got to be impressed. I think you have to be pleased with the way the athletic director stood by what he said and backed his own school. This is uh, LSU Saturday, getting you set for LSU and Southern Miss. 638 kickoff tonight on WWL. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com, joined us now. Mike, thank you so much for the time. And it seems to be the norm now in college football offering uh, kids, uh, high school kids, that basically when they get into high school or uh, I guess you'd say uh, some even prior to that. I know LSU did to a young man by the name of Dustin Dyson. He's uh, out of Amy, goes to St. Thomas Aquinas High School, going into his ninth grade year. And to me, I think this is a, a positive from a standpoint to where I think now it's kind of, uh, I don't say pressure, but it, it puts more of a premium on the, on, the, on the young men and their families that, look, I've got a good offer. Now I focus on my grades and in the schools too as well because a lot of the times the majority of problems, especially when they had Prop 48s, was that you would offer kids, but scholarships were offered different than usually mainly on their senior year, but some on their junior and senior year. And a lot of times by that time kids were fighting and struggling to get their grades, whereas now they can kind of follow the academic pro uh, progress the entire three or four years. And to me that's a plus. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, and then you see some guys that are offered even – uh, you know, sophomore, junior years, if you eat, catch them before their junior year uh, and, and they realize they've got an opportunity to play college football, it still gives them an opportunity to either retake some classes that they messed up in their ninth or tenth grade years and get on track before it's too late in order to qualify academically. Um, you know, the, the standards to qualify are certainly higher than they were 15, 20 years ago. Um, and you don't seem to have near the academic casualties that you used to uh, because it's, you know, not only the, 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 the offers going out early um, and you have all the camps and all the information that's out there, um, but these kids know what can happen if you don't get your grades and, and, and your ACT and, 
and do all the preparatory work for both of those. And, Mike, you know, there, there was a couple of offers this week, LSU and Alabama in for some Louisiana kids, and they were young. But this, this you and I talked about this young man from Amy, Ismail Sopcha. He's the first young man to be a first-team All-State as a freshman in any class, I want to say, in over a decade. But in 3A, you have to go back 40 or 50 years. And uh, probably is going to be one of the nationally ranked defensive linemen. He, when you look at him now, I know you guys had a picture up of him and other, other sites did as well. He just looks like a college kid already, and and that's, yep. that's where they're getting these kids. And he's going to be one, Mike. That you know, this past year I think Ed Alexander was what fourth, uh, one of the one of the fourth best guys across the board in tier defensive linemen. This Sopcich kid's really got a chance to be nationally recognized. Yeah, in fact, we went out and filmed him. I guess three weeks ago, uh, their their game with uh, Kentwood, and mm-hmm. did an interview with him and. Uh, not a whole lot of people had known that he had had an LSU offer, and um, you, you can just see where he's going to be another, uh, you know, top-flight defensive tackle from from the state of Louisiana. Um, and it's, of course, he's got an offer from Alabama already too. But he told us flat out uh, that LSU is, is his favorite. So. Uh, LSU's in good shape there, uh, regardless of who the head coaches end up being. Talking to Mike Scarborough, at Scarborough Mike on Twitter, publisher and recruiting analyst of Tiger Bait. And, uh, Mike, with these earlier and earlier offers, are, are there any worries about maybe a slippery slope where, like, uh, in, in, the, in the Cold War that is recruiting? I mean, I, I know Dylan Moses was offered in eighth grade. Do, 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 you, do you see that reaching younger and younger ages as this becomes more commonplace? Um, you know, I think there there might be some risk to it in certain occasions, but I've yet to see where it bites a school on the butt, um, where you, you, you reach on a kid and or you offer them early and then all of a sudden they're not the player that you think they were in the eighth or ninth grade. Um, you know, when you see some of these kids now, the way they're developed and they're running the shuttle and the 40 and they're, and they're producing – uh, the way that they are at such young ages, and then coming out of high school with with bodies, uh, the, the way they are, it's 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 absolutely staggering. But um, you know, there's a game you play. Um, you know, and certainly for LSU, if you're going to offer in-state kids, you would prefer to be the first, rather it be a school outside of of the conference that's in your in your peer group. So uh, it's there's something to be said for for extending that offer. And there's also ways to, you know, uh, play the game if it's, you know, whether if it's someone uh, that you're maybe not 100% certain on. You know, look, you've got an offer, but don't commit. Go ahead and take your time. Um, you know, th- there's ways to, to play the game even when extending an offer. And uh, I guess so let's say you offer like a seventh grader, right? This kid looks like a monster, but for whatever reason – uh, it ends up not panning out. Uh, h- how does that work? Is like, can the school rescind offers? Because I mean, that's not exactly a good look either. No, it's not. Um, you know, at the same time, look, uh, there's there's guys in this current class that have offers from LSU. Um, certainly, it, it's not easy to do for an in-state uh, product. Uh, you know, so usually a, a um, a new coach comes in and he's hired by LSU. And, you know, usually there's some wiggle room there because those offers were extended by the previous staff. Um, but there's also can be a PR nightmare if it's an in-state product. Yeah. 
That's why a lot of times you'll see on some kids that they're unsure about, that they're still evaluating, where LSU at times in the past would be late extending an offer because of trying to avoid that PR nightmare because once you extend that offer, you can't take it away. Mike, let everybody know what's up on the site and uh, the latest on recruiting. Yeah, check us out at TigerBay.com. Uh, our, our message board uh, has been absolutely fantastic uh, this season, particularly with the coaching search and, and, and the rumors uh, swirling around that. And um, Got our pregame notebook up on the front page. We'll live blog the LSU game uh, tonight. And, of course, uh, we're also uh, – Talking about Miles Brennan, LSU's quarterback commitment, who had another incredible game last night and, and broke the Mississippi uh, uh, record for career touchdown passes. Had eight touchdown passes uh, last night. <laughs> Mike, your prediction: LSU and Southern Miss. Um, I think LSU wins this one, 48 to 10. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Mike, thank you so much for the time. All right, talk soon. Thanks, guys. All, All right, right. we'll come back right. to Joe and the rest of you callers. WWL News Time is one thirty-two. It's time for first news, and we will go to Donnie. And welcome back. Along with T-Bob Abair, I'm Deke Bellabest. Second and goal with the Clemson 11. NC State is trying to punch one in. They just had a pick six early in the second half, and now with 5.40 left in the third, the Wolfpack uh, tied up with uh, 10 apiece with Clemson trying to go ahead of the third-ranked undefeated yeah, Tigers. Yeah, unfortunately, Deke, it looks like NC State uh, just really blew what was a golden opportunity. They had first and goal from the nine. They didn't get a tackle for loss, negative running play. They didn't give up a sack, which set up third and goal from the 20, which uh, they tried to run a screen, which got a further loss. Oh, it looks like a face mask there potentially on the play. Either way, uh, NC State had a chance to make it 17-10 and uh, does, uh, it does not look like it's going to happen. All right, so let's go to Joe on line two. Joe, thank you for calling WWL. Yeah, how you doing? Yo, what's good, up, sir. Joe? Just real quickly, uh, with the lever, I think he did a very good job under the circumstances. I just don't understand. I'm asking the question: Why did Florida drew a line last, right. last week? That's right. LSU drew a line, and then um, Stike from the SEC. He never mentioned anything about Florida's stopping this. No, he really no. Didn't say anything. But he kind of condemned the lever the way he handled it. And, and you know what, Joe, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And instead of the commissioner sticking up and saying, you know what, the, the one thing that the high road approach would have been, one thing that's brought to our light is that maybe we need to look at this whole situation. We, we've got a lightning rule for sports. Why not have a hurricane rule? I mean, the majority of our schools in this conference are in hurricane-prone areas. This is not the first rodeo when it comes to hurricanes. So if you get so many days out, have a designated area, what you're going to do with a day and a time is a possibility of a remote location. The home home team could have a designated choice of one or two stadiums outside of their home venue. It's, it's inexcusable for this conference in this area, yeah. the SEC and ACC, not to have a hurricane-proof plan, not to have one yeah, plan. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, and I expect they will from now on, right? During the summer, you should be looking, okay, what's the Georgia Dome got this week and what's the Super Dome? You go week by week and you have contingency plans in place. The worst part, I think, about Sankey, coming out uh, kind of like how he has pretty publicly against LSU is that, in my opinion, like this is Sankey's gaffe to begin with. He, he really yep. bungled this entire – and then he had to make up a rule where uh, teams are ineligible without eight SEC games to try to get Florida to be forced to play. Like So, yeah, I, I look – once again, I don't agree with what Sankey's saying. 
Uh, I Overall, maybe it's technically this whole situation a bit unfair to LSU, but at this point, who cares? We have resolution. Right. We have an exciting we, game that's going to be played on the 19th, and to stay upset about it is just so petty. Let's move uh, to the big game today, the SEC CBS game of the week, 230. Number one, Alabama at number nine, Tennessee. Tennessee suffered their first loss of the season last week. Alabama has played in games in, under Nick Saban, which they're number one, 41 times. They are 36-5 and five in those 41 games as the number one team. Rihanna Pocky joins us now, Tennessee beat writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, Rihanna, uh, what about this matchup today? Uh, from the odds maker standpoint, they give Tennessee, uh, I guess you'd say, a puncher's chance as a 10-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Uh, do, do the Vols have a shot in this contest? I, I do think they do. I mean, this whole season has kind of been pretty miraculous in terms of Tennessee and their ability to stay in these games and, and play. Even in last week, despite seven turnovers, they pushed Tech Dam double overtime on the road. So um, coming off last year's performance, they, they had they were leading Alabama in the deep in the fourth quarter. They're confident that they can uh, they can make this a game today. The, you know, the question obviously is how much do the injuries or if it's eventually going to catch up. They've had a whole bunch of injuries on this team and whether that depth, you know, Play. It will come into factor day on this. It captures really four, four game grueling part of the schedule for Tennessee. Rhiannon, now when you look at this matchup, what what do you think is the is the main key? If I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, okay, Tennessee, if they do this today, they've got a shot to win this ball game. I think the turnovers. I mean, Alabama's defense is so optimistic. They've had seven defensive touchdowns this season already, and Tennessee's already had 21 fumbles this season, which is more than the total of the four seasons previous until that's just all the 13-game stretches. So if they if they turn it over today, you know, Alabama's going to make them pay for it, judging by uh, office of the history. And I think that's going to be key. They really have to work on their ball security. They can't give Alabama three points off, off uh, turnovers. So, and that's, you know, it's kind of the extreme of two ends here. you got a team that is, you know, leaving the country almost in, the, in, in fumbles and leaving the country and close to the bottom in turnovers. And Alabama defense that is, uh, you know, near the top in terms of turning those turnovers into points. Hey, and, and uh, I don't want to really linger too much in the floor game. I know I keep saying that. I keep bringing it up. But really, Tennessee was had as much to gain or lose with this LSU-Florida game as anyone else. So, I guess, how closely were you all following the situation? And then what was the reaction like when you learned that there indeed will be a game played? Yeah, I mean, I was following close. I know Coach was following close. He, he, he trusted, you know, that, that there would be a resolution. And Commissioner Frank, he had full faith in him that something would happen. Um, you know, I was – it was the interesting part to me was I wasn't aware. Like, I don't understand why they did let everyone know that if they didn't play the full eight games, they wouldn't even be eligible. That would have probably yeah. been a little peace of mind off of Tennessee, like – well, it wouldn't even be a new point if it didn't play. You know, they yeah. wouldn't be eligible to compete in the SEC championship game. So I think if they had heard that right away, it might not have been quite as good, much of a concern. But they were concerned about it when it seemed to be that, you know, if it went down to it and they had, you know, right. Florida only lost that one game to them, that they would go over by winning percentage. So now I think that it's all done and, and you know, everything's been, yeah. you know, put back on schedule. I think there's less of a, less of, you know, angst over here. But, but who knows, maybe if they had done that, then it, Tennessee would have gone no matter what if they had known that rule. So maybe they won the play now. I don't know. Right. They made that Rhiannon, Rhiannon Podkey, Tennessee beat writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel. Rhiannon, how can people keep up with you on Twitter? 
Yeah, you can follow me at, at Tennessee Beat, which is, uh, you know, or GoVolsExtra.com, but at Tennessee Beat is where I tweet out, you know, during the game right. and most of my stories, and GoVolsExtra.com is where they can find any stories. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage today. This is a big one here. So, uh, everyone, you know, they've all been big ones these last four weeks, and they've, yeah. they've never given us a storyline. So, you can uh, find it all there. Thank you so much. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the game. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Love your show. All right. Show. right. The 18th-ranked Florida entertaining Missouri in the Eastern Battle. Thomas Goldcamp joins us, Florida beat reporter for 24-7 Sports. Thomas, the Gators look like they're going to get Luke Del Rio back this week. Uh, is this team a, a little bit healthier, especially on the defensive front, having having a week off? Yeah, there's no question that week off really helped Florida. You know, they'll still be missing a couple guys up front, but, you know, some of those guys that had nicks and bruises will be back. And, you know, I think Florida, you know, is as much a question mark as probably anybody in the conference just because they played those last two games without Del Rio. I think today we'll start to answer some of the questions about the Gators. And, Thomas, uh, we, when you look at Florida coming to Baton Rouge now, the 19th, we'll have two games in Gainesville in 2017 and 18. Uh, it, it's kind of funny because the local reaction here is, but, oh, LSU got cheated over. Is, but is that kind of a similar reaction to what's going on in UF? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, Florida fans are, are talking about it as, you know, they lose two home games this year. And, yeah. You know, what, what that does to the local economy, which, you know, to me, I think if you got, you got fans on both sides that can't figure out, you know, who got the better end of the deal, they, they probably did a pretty good it's job. It's a good compromise, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thomas Goldcamp. Thomas, uh, how can people keep up with you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me at Thomas Goldcamp. It's just my name, and the last name is spelled G-O-L-D-K-A-M-P. He's covering the 18-ranked Gators entertaining Missouri today at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the Swamp in Gainesville, Florida, and Missouri. Thomas Goldcamp for 24-7 Sports. Thomas, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. I'll have a good one. All right. We'll continue looking inside the SEC. Up next, we'll take a look and peek in in Fayetteville, where it's Ole Miss and Arkansas in a ranked battle. He's T-Bob Bear. I'm Deke Bellavia on WWL. And welcome back. Getting you set for LSU and Southern Miss. We'll take a look at the 4-2 and two Eagles coming up in the next couple of hours as Southern Miss comes in at four and two losing last week to the texas san antonio Roadrunners earlier this season they started off with a uh, first game of the season victory over the sec's eastern division kentucky wildcats so we'll take a look at the uh, southern miss golden eagles and their other loss was to the troy trojans and the rest of the games in the conference last night losing uh, in overtime was mississippi state to byu and mississippi state is now at two and four and really down the stretch of the season in jeopardy of losing uh, several more games speaking of mississippi state their uh, foes from the uh, northern part of the state of mississippi are the old miss rebels they come in today after a week off and set to take on the arkansas razorbacks which could be a high scoring affair today because arkansas defense is having some trouble slowing teams down and old miss can put up a lot of points. Paris offered to the Daily Journal joins us now. Paris, uh, on the outside looking in, this looks like it could be some points scored in this game between the Hogs and the Rebels today. Oh, I think that's definitely true. There are similarities between these teams. They've both been giving up a, a lot of points, and, and really both of them have had really suspect linebacker play. I, I just think uh, Arkansas has some opportunities there if Ole Miss does not get a consistent pass rush. If they let Austin Allen sit back in the pocket, I think he'll be efficient and accurate and of course as you mentioned Ole Miss is explosive if Chad Kelly gets a little bit of time they can put up a lot of points I think it could be a high scoring game and Paris when you look at Ole Miss and I guess the current hierarchy of the SEC West uh, where, where do you think that the Rebels fit in you know it's it's 
hard to talk like that, T. Bob, because I just, you know, I'm so close to this team that I that I see a lot of average play on defense, and sometimes yeah. when you're that close, you forget that all of these other teams have their issues that they're working on too. I think this Ole Miss offense is really good. I think it's not out of the, it's not inconceivable that they could run the table. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that's kind of, that's kind of a talking point around there right now. But to talk that way, it's, uh, I just think this team needs to get a lot better on defense. But, uh, you know, this is a big-time offense now when Chad Kelly gets a little bit of time and makes good decisions. Well, and, you know, I, I think with, like, Hugh Freeze, at least outside looking in, this was kind of the year where with all the talent that was gone, a lot of people were expecting, like, the bottom to drop out. Has Hugh Freeze kind of, uh, I guess, re-solidified his position, like, given fans – hope that the, the, these last few years of success aren't, aren't just, you know, they weren't a fluke where you just had this incredible recruiting class, that it's more of a sign of things to come? I think he has solidified his position like that because, for one reason, Chad Kelly is really good. And, and when you're really good at that position, you can solve a lot of things. But they've also recruited well at wide receiver. Uh, they've recruited well at the offensive line and still have a lot of young guys there. That's a group that's going to be better next year and the year after that. You know, he's built an offense here, and he needs to get uh, more talent and more depth on defense, but he has solidified the future a little bit. And that's going to change a little bit next year. You know, Shea Patterson was the number one recruit at quarterback last year, but uh, he'll be a first-year starter, you know, and, and there are always growing pains. Yeah, you know, but uh, but right now, when when you're good at quarterback, you can do a lot of things, and Ole Miss has that right now. Paris, uh, as as we go to break, uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas, how you see this one shaking out today between the Hogs and the Rebels? I'll say forty-two to thirty-eight, Ole Miss. Paris Alford, Paris, how can people keep up with you on Twitter? They can find me at Paris Alford on Twitter and at thejournal.com. All right, Paris, thank you so much. Enjoy that game. Y'all have a good day. All right, and, of course, next week Ole Miss is here in Death Valley to take on LSU at 8 o'clock, and that's a look around the SEC. When we continue T-Bob's take, we'll get his take on how the LSU offensive line has been shuffled around, but how they progressed or not progressed through the first few games of the season going into today's matchup against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. A look at the lines next is coming up. Count you down to LSU and Southern Miss, 638 kickoff tonight right here on Tiger Radio WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.